Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton. Today we're going to talk with Claude Barfield, a resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. He's going to tell us all about the great chlorinated chicken controversy. But first, let me mention that the Daily Standard Podcast is brought to you by the Dollar Shave Club. Stop spending a fortune on gimmicky shave technology you don't need. Make the smarter choice by joining the Dollar Shave Club. Daily Standard listeners can get their first month for just $5 with free shipping. Just go to dollarshaveclub.com slash weeklystandard. Claude Barfield, welcome to the Daily Standard podcast. Pleasure to be here. Now, you've written about uh, a, a small controversy that I guess you, you witnessed the beginning of at an event at the American Enterprise Institute where the U.K. Trade Minister, Liam Fox, was um, talking about, I guess, the Britain's post-Brexit trade strategy. What were, what were the main points he was there to try to get across? Well, I think he, he, he's actually a very smart guy, a very sophisticated thinker, I think. It's three things. I think, one, he made the case again over an American audience for Brexit and why they did it. And second, uh, he made the case for a U.S.-U.K. free trade agreement. He's been here several times for that. And then finally, he threw in something that I thought was really uh, quite significant, and that is he gave a really ringing uh, defense of the multilateral trading system and the World Trade Organization, though that was not on his immediate agenda. But it was very articulately done at a time when we don't get enough of that, I think. Now, before we get to chlorinated chickens... Um, what was the argument that uh, that Liam Fox made for Brexit for an American audience? Well, his argument largely was about sovereignty uh, and the fact that uh, he made the case that the Brit- that the British pu- public would be the population uh, would be better off outside of the confines of the European Union. He did not criticize it necessarily. He just said both in terms of their uh, own decision-making in terms of uh, the movement of people, of immigration. And also he did say, uh, leading into his argument about the U.S.-U.K. free trade agreement, that there were a number of restrictions. Uh, He didn't call it protection, but restrictions uh, that the European Union had in terms of its rules and regulations that the U.K. would then be free of. Now, is the U.K. eager to be free of the EU restriction on chlorinated chickens this is our pivot to the big kerfuffle. <laughs> so so what is a chlorinated chicken anyway? Well, the, the United States, our Food and Drug Administration, our Department of Agriculture, who are the two major agencies which are over, would, would be overseeing this, have for some years, for decades actually, allowed uh, poultry companies, poultry producers, to rinse chickens with a very diluted um, uh, mixture of water. It's mostly water and a little bit of chlorine as a means of warding off uh, any kind of end of end stage in terms of production, uh, introduction of bacteria, salmonella or something like that. Um, and so that's been something that we've done forever. The United States, that is for the last decades, uh, the United States uh, is very successful in terms of, of chicken exports. We're the second largest chicken exporter in the world. So people have been eating these chlorinated, as it were, chickens. So if you've uh, for, eaten for, chicken here in the U.S., you've eaten chlorinated chicken. Yes. Uh, you could put small producers if you got something from a farm. It's mostly the large you know, chicken producers uh, in Delaware or Maryland, places like that. Purdue. Out in the West. Yes, exactly. 
Um, I mean, you might have had a chicken that's locally grown or something like that that didn't, but all large producers do that. I should say, I didn't go into this in my piece, there are substitutes that they are gradually using for, chlor- for, as, for chlorinated chicken. But the EU, EU banned this in 1997, but it also banned any kind of material that would be for a wash. So if you, it's not going to help the U.S. producers uh, if they switch from chlorine to something else, which is also a disinfectant, as it were. So without making any pun about a fox in the hen house. Somebody did. Oh, very good. Actually, I thought you'd read that or something. <laughs> yes, yeah, somebody accused. This was what happens. One of the la- a labor representatives said, this is what happens when you put a fox in the hen house. <laughs> so Liam Fox, when he's at AEI, he's confronted during the Q&A on this question of chlorinated chickens in the, in the UK. And what was his response about what UK policy would be on chlorinated chickens. He didn't give a direct response, so he did a, little, a bit later. His re, his reaction was one. This came at the end of the period, and this may have been—I'm not certain—but it may have been a British journalist, because he was clearly exasperated with this question. He said, "You know, this is a small thing that'll come at the end of a long session about a particular sector," and um, said that. Then he accused the British press of being obsessed with chlorinated chickens. Um, a, an aide of his, however, said at the time to told the press at the time uh, that that uh, it's clear that there's that there's no safety hazard at all with eating chlorinated chickens Liam Fox himself said that in passing when he got back to to uh, England uh, on a BBC program I think it was or one of the television programs but he didn't go into that at the at the speech but he got smacked down by Michael Gove the uh, environment secretary uh, somebody who was fighting with Boris Johnson for the prime ministership uh, back uh, last summer. Uh, But Michael Gove is saying, no, there will be no agreement with the U.S. that would allow chlorinated chickens and no kind of no no kind of agreement that would be accepted. He said you kiss it goodbye in one television program, and it was really it was a kind of I think he was reacting to there was an instant press reaction, not just in Britain but on the continent, because the European Commission people thought that they had been uh, they'd been insulted by this. He actually hadn't said that much about it, but uh, he was accused of being ignorant and and uh, and 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 really selling out. Uh, the not only British but European poultry producers. So Gove was reacting to that, but it's astonishing that an environmental minister who should have had more sense to know about the safety questions here uh, talked about this in terms of lowering standards. There would be no lowering of standards. Uh, as I say in the piece, the uh, uh, international as well as national food and safety agencies have all said that there is no, they don't necessarily endorse it, but they say there are no safety or health reasons not to use chlorinated water uh, as a wrench at the a rinse at the end of a process. The European Food and Safety, the Codex Alimentarius, which is kind of the gold standard internationally. Uh, plus, our own FDA and Department of Agriculture looked at this closely, have always looked at this closely. So, I wonder if this is a, a canary in the coal mine, though, for what's going to happen with other regulations as as the U.K. gets free of the EU set of regulations. But every time they try to actually set some new standard that is, that's U.K.-specific or specific to a U.K. Uh, treaty that isn't what the EU had, that there will be this outcry of, of lowering standards as though whatever the EU had come up with is 
the the gold standard for all possible regulations. That's a very good point. And I think, um, it, as I say in the piece that I did, there is a larger set of issues here. Um, and here, Liam Fox did say something that I think he may regret later at some point. He said a couple of weeks ago that he thought that a UK-EU trade treaty would be the easiest trade treaty in, the his, in history. And he made the point that tariffs are low between the two. And then he said something about the regulatory stances are not that far apart. When I, I actually met him several months ago, and, and, uh, and, and when he said something like this, I raised the question with him, and I raised it again when he was at AEI. It's great to say that, but uh, the EU, UK, but the UK and the EU, if things, the UK at any rate, if things go as they hope, will be negotiating with the United States, will be negotiating others too, in the two-year period before they can get out. They want to start a negotiation with the United States. At the same time, they're going to be negotiating with the EU. What happens when you get a clash between what the EU regulations are and what U.S. regulations are. Chickens is one thing. You know that on the whole genetic modified organisms question, on data privacy, on a whole list of issues, regulatory issues and rules issues, um, the EU and the United States are not in sync. So the Brits are going to be caught in the middle there. And they're going to have to make some tough decisions about whether they go with the U.S. way or the EU way. Now, the other thing here is that the British have always been thought of as the most liberal in their thinking in terms of not getting involved in scares about food safety or some something about the environment. But the reaction in Britain here uh, leads you to question whether or not the whether or not today the uh, the situation is, is the same as it traditionally has been. It's going to be tough for whoever the, whoever is negotiating, Fox or whoever between the United States and the, and the EU. Now, you suggest in your article in U.S. News and World Report that, um, that this could perhaps be solved just by presenting information, giving people the choice uh, between chlorinated and non-chlorinated chickens that were, are labeled as such. That's right. Uh, I think there is an easy solution. I think the EU, I suspect that you won't accept it, because they will think that that somehow un- undercuts their own regulation. But the obvious thing to do is to let it let the given the fact that all the safety uh, the agencies who, who who regulate this stuff have all said it's safe. Let it in and tell the British public, okay, here's an American chicken that's been chlorinated. Here's the price. Here's a chicken that has not been chlorinated. Here's the price. Uh, here are the, stand, the other standards that they're going by and see if they want to buy it or not. If people don't want to have any kind of addition to their or rinse to their chickens, they shouldn't buy it. I think the other thing, the point that I made here is that this is – we'll have to see how this would work out. But this seems to be another case where what you've got is a safety cons- rationale being put forward to cover a protectionist rationale because it is clear that the British Poultry Association and poultry associations on the continent worry that large producers in the United States can undercut them in terms of price and with equal quality. So they that's really a part of the reaction, I think, here. And the way to solve that is, you know, in, in Britain is to just tell the population, here they are. Um, this is this has got chlorine in it, and this does not. And this is this price, which is likely to be cheaper. And then you want to pay more and just not have it. So it's up to you. And I'm not in favor of extra regulations, but I wouldn't mind in the U.S. chickens that are not chlorinated to 
be labeled as such so that one has choice. That's fine. <laughs> Claude Barfield from the American Enterprise Institute, thanks so much for joining us on the Daily Standard podcast. It was my pleasure. Support for the Daily Standard podcast comes from the Dollar Shave Club, the smarter choice. You get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. It's a no-brainer. You don't have to schlep to the store to try to get razors out of those little plastic safes they're always locked behind. No cheap disposable razors that give you a cheap shave. And you don't spend a fortune on 14-blade razors with magic lubrication strips or other gimmicky shave technology. It's just a great razor paired with Dr. Carver's shave butter for a smooth, gentle shave. Listeners of the Daily Standard podcast can make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. New members get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of Dr. Carver's shave butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. In your first month box, you get a weighty handle, a cassette of four razor cartridges, and a tube of shave butter. After your first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. There are no hidden fees and no commitments. Cancel anytime you like. For this exclusive offer, go to dollarshaveclub.com slash weeklystandard. That's it for today's Daily Standard podcast. Be sure to tune in to our podcast throughout the week. Just go to iTunes or Google Play for a free subscription, or go to our website, weeklystandard.com. I'm Eric Felton. Thanks for listening.